Romans chapter 1. I'm going to finish up where I didn't get to the last point of, and then we'll move into the second part, the next step. But the study I'm doing is avoiding confusion, and we don't have the slides from the first last week, so bear with me. But we'll be in Romans chapter 1 for the second part of this. As we looked last week, we were talking about the cornerstone. The cornerstone of life. The cornerstone of life is the Lord Jesus Christ, the true and tried. We, the first part of it, the reliability of the cornerstone. We talked about the reliability of that cornerstone. We, for identity, unity, and direction. We talked about that as the reliability. The revelation of the cornerstone, the identity of the foundation, the identity of the cornerstone, which we found was the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us it was before the foundations of the world that he was set to be that cornerstone. Today, as I finish up the last part of the lesson, we're going to look at the rejection of the cornerstone. The world hates Christianity, especially Jesus Christ, because Christian faith allows for no other way to, to God apart from Jesus Christ alone. John 14, 6 says, and I'll read it because my memory's a little slow tonight. It says, Jesus said unto him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to the, unto the Father but by me. Jesus, that's why the world hates it. They hate the cornerstone because it, there's only one way you can come. And only one way you can get to heaven. And it's through the Lord Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And we'll find out later on there's no other name given under heaven by which you can get to the first part of that, the rejection of the cornerstone. Though it, though it pains us to see Jesus rejected and mocked in today's culture, it's nothing new. I thought I would never see the time that people would burn Bibles. I, or attack Christians and shoot up a church house or shoot a church house that's in session or rob a church. When I was growing up, if you, the church I went to in Tucson, the kids broke in and stole some sound system stuff and they're, the parents found out, and they marched the kids back over to the church with the sound systems and the stuff for the church. Today, everybody turns and looks the other way. There's no respect for Jesus. 
if you if you are a Christian, you're going to find out you're in the minority. You will have people gang up on you. And the sad thing is, in this world, we have other Christians ganging up on Christians who are standing for the truth. And I find that in that, they rejected Jesus, A, they rejected him in history. If you have last, last week's handout, they rejected him in history. Jesus has been rejected throughout, all throughout history. We can go back in the Bible, in Genesis, what was the flood about? You know, it's sad. These guys had the perfect world. And at that time, people were living to be 969 years old, Methuselah. But it says in the days of Noah, they were eating, drinking, and giving in marriage. They had, and if it was that bad, and I look at today, I wonder how bad it really was. Because I look how bad it is today in our society, in our time, and we're the church. And here's Noah, and, and only eight survived the flood. Eight out of who knows how many people, because they lived. We know Methuselah lived 969 years. So the average lifespan was between 800 to 900 years. Imagine how many sons and daughters you could have in that lifetime and grandkids and everything. We don't know what the population, but to think that only one man in that lifetime found grace in God's eyes and was doing what was right. And he was 500 years old when he built the ark. We find the Israelites throughout the centuries. Man, coming out of the, they seen the Red Sea part. They walked across on dry land. They watched God destroy Pharaoh and his army in the Red Sea. But they rejected it. The prophets wrote and gave them God's word to correct their lives. And they, what did they do to most of the prophets? They killed them. Then we consider the Jewish nation, first century, they had Jesus doing all the miracles right there in Jerusalem. People getting healed, people being raised from the dead. They had the Son of God walking amongst the midst of them. All man and all God at the same time walking amongst them, doing miracles. Watching his life, healing people, raising the people from the dead, Lazarus, and the unbelief, and they still did not obey. We find that Peter, in the first century, Peter addressed this rejection before the high priest 
and his religious leaders after they had, had arrested Peter and John on the sole grounds of their preaching the truth of Jesus Christ. Today, people are getting arrested for preaching. Just stand by an abortion clinic and pray and get you arrested and thrown in jail. But you can burn down a church and they'll let you go free. You can, you can rob people, kill people, and they'll let you go free. No, you don't have to pay a bond or bail. But in Acts chapter 4 and verses 10 through 12, Be it known unto you all, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand before you whole. And the story is, they healed, remember the beggar, as they were going to the temple, was asking for alms, and they, Peter and John said, I don't have alms, but today, they healed him. Whom ye crucified, and by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth this man stand before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of your builders, of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is none under there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Jesus Christ is the only way. There is not multiple ways to heaven. The Bible tells us straight and narrow is the way that leadeth to salvation, but broad is the path to destruction. We have seen it throughout history. They have rejected them. The dark ages was because they were trying to keep the word of God from the common man. The religious wars of that day were over it. But I thank God there was men that stood up in that day and said I want to translate the Bible I want the common man to be able to read the Bible all throughout history Jesus has been rejected because of this people have tried desperately and failed consistently to build their lives without the cornerstone then the rejection in our day the rejection of the cornerstone is one area in which we would like to see history stop repeating itself, but it doesn't. Daily, people in our world reject Jesus and turn from any vestige of the revealed truth of God. Lee Strobel, quote, many people consider arrogant, arrogant narrow-minded, and bigoted for Christians to contend that the only path to God must go through Jesus of Nazareth. In a day of religious pluralism, tolerance, this exclusive claim is politically incorrect. A verbal slap in the face of other belief systems. This is the heart of our culture, but as people reject Christ, they must direct gods of their own. 
So they worship falsehoods and join together to celebrate false unity and rejects the cornerstone. It's sad that we see humanism come into form. We have humanism and liberalism in the church today, things I thought we'd never see. Humanism is appropriately named. It is man's own self as God. Take a casual glance at the model of the American Humanist Association and you will have no questions about the identity of their cornerstone. Good without God is their model. Humanists have chosen to be their own cornerstone. Sadly, many people in the world, even if they are not familiar with the title of humanism, are functioning humanisms. They believe in themselves and ignore or scorn God. We as Christians have allowed humanism to get into our spiritual lives. We've become complacent. The average church that goes out so winning, it's sad when I keep getting, trying to, knowing I go to church and what I believe, I get other churches trying to invite me to come and join their fellowship. Instead of going out and knocking on doors to find a lost person or somebody that's not going to church, I keep getting people trying to get me to go to their church. Why, why rob another church of an active member? Why not go out and knock the doors and actively pursue the lost and dying in the world? We have false religions out there that are more zealous than the Christians. I don't know about you, but I got the Jehovah's Witnesses seem to love my house, but they... <coughs> They know where I stand, and I tell them I will not argue with them. I said, the difference is, is where you'll spend eternity and where I'll spend eternity. The other day, the church, we must have left a track on a Church of Christ person. I got the track back and wanted me to know where in the Bible that this was, that what, tell me where in the Bible this was, and they gave me a track with, with all their stuff, and they were using Acts chapter 8 and the Ethiopian eunuch. I read through their stuff, but they didn't even have the nerve to put their name on the envelope. The only reason I found out where the track came from was I had to look into fine print for the church address, some church in Phoenix. But they're going to tell me, and the Church of Christ believes baptism saves you, Nowhere in the scripture do I find baptism saves you. It's by asking the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to save you. But yet, here's one. They want to do it the opposite way. And Peter said, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which is disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the cornerstone. He was talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. The next one is liberalism has gotten into the church. Liberalism is another 
worldview that rejects Christ as the cornerstone, despite its openness to new ideologies and insistence on tolerance, its its adherent are willing to accept every worldview but God's. Many years ago, there was a movement to promise keepers. They started out good, but the last time I went to one, I thought, well, I'll check it out. First thing was, let's tear down the walls. They had a song, let's tear down the walls. As I studied what they wanted to tear down was the doctrinal issues of the Bible. And when I'm sitting next to some Mormons, some Jehovah's Witnesses, and some Catholics, and some Church of Christ, that we all are one, I realized this was no place for me. Amen. This was no place that I needed to be a part of this type of worship. For when it didn't matter what Bible you used, or if you used the Bible, that's liberalism when we get together and we tear down the walls We tear down what separates us and what makes us unique, peculiar, and priest of the Lord Jesus Christ. Sadly, liberalism even reaches into churches and church denominations that have not held to the scriptures as their final authority. As long as I'm a deacon in this church, And a member of this church, this church will stand on the King James Bible and God's word. I have studied, and the Lord has convicted me in my heart. And when I can sit down with a a Jew, Orthodox Jew, and have a Bible study in the Old Testament, and he reads his Old Testament, and it reads just like mine, that God settled it for me, that this is his word for the English language. You don't understand a word? Get the 1824 Webster Dictionary. It'll help you. Or get a dictionary if you don't understand. I will not apologize for what I use. Because when scripture starts using other scripture, we start using other versions, it becomes man. And the Bible tells us, We're not to change one tittle, one dot, one dash, anything to his word. Because Satan, the first thing he asks Eve in the garden, he asks, has God said? And she repeated, well, God said, we can't can't touch or eat of the fruit of, of the tree in the middle of the garden. She already was changing it. He said, do not eat. He didn't say couldn't touch but she changed the United Church of Canada has recently dealt with an apparent confounding and controversial question can an atheist serve as a pastor the pastor in question was Greta Vosper who made her atheism public belief in God according to Vosper belongs to an outdated world view The United Church Canada conducted a cost-benefit analysis and decided that Vosper's heresy was the lesser of two evils. 
the denomination weighed faith in God against inclusive, how we say this word, inclusivity, and valued inclusivism higher than theological fidelity. They allowed her to remain in her role as a pastor. Would you have ever imagined this sort of story being anywhere outside of the pages of Alice in Wonderland? Yet, it is exactly this kind of insanity that arises from people that reject the cornerstone and will accept any worldview but God's. Jesus is your cornerstone. You will unashamedly align your beliefs. If, if, take back. if Jesus is your cornerstone, you will unashamedly align your beliefs in your lives to him. Conclusion of this, the first part, and we'll get into the second part. Jesus told a story, and you can look at, you can read it for yourself in Matthew chapter seven. We all know it. We sing song. It's a, it was a Sunday school song I learned as a little kid. The wise man built his house upon the sand, and the foolish man builds. I mean, the wise man builds his house upon the rock. Foolish man builds his house upon the sand. As we look at the foundations, the wise men built on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ, and when the and he used it as an example that when the trials of life and we'll we'll face it, everybody that's saved, sometime in your life you will follow, you will suffer persecution, you will be rejected by family, you will be outcasted. You will go through trials. And it's by the trials that he says that we grow in the grace and knowledge and love of the Lord Jesus Christ. We find that Jesus called the man who built on the rock a wise man. He had, he had something solid upon which he built. Thus his house remained through the beating of the rain and floods and wind. But the foolish man built on the sand and had his home destroyed. When you build on anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ as a cornerstone, when the storms of this life hit at you, it's going to cause you to collapse. And this church has went through storms, but we have weathered the storms because we are built. This church is built on the cornerstone the Lord Jesus Christ. We lost our pastor, but God has blessed this church because we have stayed faithful to the cornerstone we were built on, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wise men know that Jesus is the only true cornerstone. They build their lives squarely on him while these lives are encountered, also encounter storms. They do not fall apart because they built on a sure foundation. Although cultures, ideologies, relationships sometimes fail and disintegrate, Jesus never fails. How do you know what you are building your life on? Will it consume you above all else? If money is your cornerstone, you'll talk about it and read about it. If your career is your cornerstone, you'll stress over it. If race is your cornerstone, you'll make it 
your primary, primary identity and passion. If gender is your cornerstone, you'll march for it. Although there is nothing wrong with giving time, attention, diligence to your career or caring about and involving yourself in various social needs of the day, there is something that matters much more than any of those things. Although many Christians today are linking with humanist, atheist, liberals to fight for secular and sometimes ungodly causes, Christ calls us to join with him in preaching the gospel to the world in need of salvation. That concludes lesson one. As we move into lesson two, we're going to be talking about the existence of God. As we look in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 23, I'll read in Genesis 1, 1 first. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. As we pick up in our text verse, Romans 8, 1, 18 through 23, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of man who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has showed it unto them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without they so that they are without excuse. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, foolish in their heart, and their foolishness was dark heart their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man to birds. So four-footed beast and creeping things. The next slide. How many seen this bumper sticker? How many seen that? Coexist. Well, number one, how can we coexist when our belief systems are all different? Each letter is the graphic coexist is comp compromised of a symbol representing a religion or philosophy. C represents Islam with a crescent and a star. O represents peace with the peace symbol. E represents the religion of science with the relatively equation as well as gender equality. X represents Judaism with the Star of David. I represents paganism with the Wiccan symbol. S represents Taoism, Vivi the Chinese yin yang. T represents Christianity with the cross. In today's study, however, we will see that God exists. Now, maybe we need a bumper sticker like that God exists I don't think anybody will ever make it
The Bible opens with a declaration, st a declaration statement that assumes rather than proves God's existence. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. When you think of it, that's natural. No book begins with an author trying to prove his or her own existence. It is simply understood that the author exists. This is the grand assumption of Genesis 1-1. When we read a book, we don't read about the author. When you, get a, you pick up a book, what's the first thing you read? You start reading the story. The author already knows who he is. In Romans 1, however, God discloses more developed defense for the existence of God, declaring how he has been manifested and revealed to all humanity in specific ways. The Bible teaches us that ours is a God of both love and righteousness. We see God's love as a prevailing theme throughout the scripture, 1 John 4, 16, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. This attribute of love is glorious, though it is, it is, does not stand alone, for our loving God is also righteous. His righteousness necessitates his wrath against all that stands in opposition to righteousness. That's what we see in our first verse of today's text. Romans 1.18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. We find God held no punches in the day of Noah's age. He judged the world. He found eight righteous people out of a world, I couldn't even tell you the number that probably would have been living in the world that day. Eight. Eight righteous people. Sodom and Gomorrah. How many, how, many how many left out of Sodom and Gomorrah? Four. But one turned back to look. Says and Peter says, Lot vexed his soul daily in the gates of Sodom. Let's look at the God's chosen people. How many times did they go into captivity? How many times did he put people against them when they started worshiping the other people? Today, I'm glad he doesn't take me into captivity. I don't know if I'd make it. When you look at the root problem of this God denial, you find many people who, like the humanist we saw in lesson one, think they are good without God. Whether or not they recognize it, their worldview is informed by their rejection of God, leading them to shun godliness with respecting, while respecting any anti-God, anti-righteous position imaginable. A quote from Albert Mueller, 
the decline of Christianity identify, identity is particularly pronounced among young Americans. Fully one-third of those ages, 35 and younger, report no religious affiliation anymore. While there are some who outright deny the existence of God, others simply question and downplay his authority, especially his authority in their lives. Christians today, we downplay the, the authority of Jesus in our life. We read the Bible, and if it gets, we have a tendency when it starts convicting us, we skip over it and move to something else. Or when the preacher's preaching and it's starting to make us uncomfortable, we get up and leave out to go get us a drink of water. Or we get fidgety in the seat and say, Press. we say to ourselves, quit meddling, move on, move on, pastor. When the word of God's being preached. Because it makes us uncomfortable because we have left our first love. Our first love is the Lord Jesus Christ. He loved us and died for us. Amen. It's heartbreaking to see the rising trend of Americans who claim either atheism or agnosticism as their belief system. A 2021 study showed that not only is there a growing trend of unchurched adults, but of those who are unchurched, one in four is a skeptic, atheist, and a, or agnostics. Somewhere the church failed to do what it God called us to do in the Great Commission. We, we got too compatible, a lot of churches model us for and no more. They might, they, might, they might wreck our unity. They might contaminate us. And I find it even in independent Baptist churches, we've gotten to be us more and no more, us for. Somebody comes in and looks different than you, we try to shun them. The church is a hospital. It's here to mend the brokenhearted. It's here to heal. Jesus set the example when he walked on this earth. He wasn't amongst if you find where he spent the majority of his time, and I'd say over 90% of the time, either with his disciples or he was in the midst of sinners, preaching, teaching, and healing the sick and dying. We've gotten away from him as a church. We've gotten away from God. We, we put God in a little ball on a shelf. The same study showed among young adults, Gen Z teens are much less likely to assert religion, religious identity than generations before them. Some of the rise in atheism could be attributed to Generation Z entering adulthood and the fact that they are thus far significantly more likely than older generations to claim no faith. Additionally, faith sharing is falling out of favor with younger adults. Younger adults. Even religious ones, almost half of the practicing Christian millennials today believe that evangelism is wrong. I told you, 
we're a unique church that goes out and leaves tracks and knocks on doors and invites people to church. Belief systems, whether belief in God or belief against God, aren't inherited. They are chosen. Although our early years are obviously shaped by the faith or lack of faith of our parents, we are responsible before God to make our own choice regarding our beliefs or disbeliefs in him. In this study, we learn from Romans 1 that God has revealed himself to all and has given each of us a choice to either believe or reject his revelation. Number one, if you got the new handout, in a revelation, God, full of love for his creation and passionate for fellowship with us, placed within each person a precious gift, the revelation of himself. We see this inner revelation in two ways. All of us know from the time we start growing up, we know when we're doing wrong. We know when we're doing right. Some of the first, the first words a baby says, no. <laughs> I remember my daughter, Rudy. The first word she said was no. My grandkids, the first words they learn is no. God has instilled, put it in us to know right from wrong. Jesus, when people say, well, nobody told me. God's going to call him a liar because his creation talks daily of his handiwork. One of the things I like to do myself is I go out and I look at the stars. And the neat thing was, is finding your, uh, the star with the belt, the three stars to belt. I can't remember his name. Orion. Orion. I was, in, I was in Afghanistan, and I could look up and look around, and at a certain time in the morning, early morning, Orion, you'd see Orion. At night here, if it's nice and we don't have clouds, I can see Orion's belt. Job talked about Orion's. The birds, watching them. He talks about the sparrows. It's, it's amazing. I got some fat pigeons, I got some fat dove, and I got some fat quail, and they sure don't work. <laughs> I'm just their supplier. God takes care. We can see how God takes care. There's a God that takes care of his, his creation. Amen. The first one, A, innate truth, innate truth. There is a knowledge of God that is part of our very nature or constitution. It is something we intrinsically know, something evident to us without being told. Romans chapter 1 verse 19, Because that which may be known of God is manifested in them, for God has showed it unto them. God has showed it unto each and every one of us. Everyone that's been is saved in here tonight and a member of this church that claims to be saved, God showed you sometime in your life that you needed a savior. 
Mine started, I was a nine-year-old boy at a Bible camp in the Cherokee Mountains. I can take you to the camp. Probably the fireplace is still there. I don't know what the preacher preached on that night in June of 1969. But that Thursday night, the 28th of June, I went forward because when that man said, if you died tonight, would you be in heaven or hell? And I sure didn't want to go to hell that night. I went forward and I asked the Lord Jesus Christ to forgive me and to save me. But from the time I was a little boy, I knew I had already started learning what right and wrong was. And don't, don't have your kids do like I did. I knew sticking scissors in a light socket was wrong, but I decided to test it out. <laughs> At four years old, I'm fortunate enough, the house we lived in on Davis Road, that somebody didn't put a penny or aluminum foil over them old fuses like they do and forget to replace them. Because I decided I was going to test, even though my mom had told me many times, don't do it. I took her brand new scissors she just bought for sewing and put them in there. Needless to say, they melted. I got burned in my hand and my foot, and the fuse finally blew. But I knew better. God had already instilled in me. I knew when I did things wrong. When I second grade, I stowed some army men from the school and I knew I was doing wrong, but I wanted to take them home and play with them. Second grade, I already knew. God had instilled in me right and wrong. God built man the knowledge of the existence of himself, something within man knows there is a God. Whether or not he chooses to worship him, this means that to die the existence of God is, is a deliberate decision. I'm not going to get through. No one is born an atheist. All around the world, people know that there is some kind of God. Those who are now atheists or agnostic had, it, had at some point of life decisions towards these beliefs. Whether that choice was intellectual, they had, answered, they had unanswered questions about God and concluded he may not exist or emotional perhaps a tragedy causing them to become angry at God. They didn't start out life with those beliefs. The knowledge of God is written in their hearts. As we close, we'll continue on next week. We looked at the cornerstone. Now we're looking at God. And we're going to go, as we get through these, it, we're seeing that God has instilled in each and every one of us, and a lot of us, even as Christians, we turn our back against him.